Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 223 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks so much for being here, hanging out, spending a little time, doing a little dance, whatever you got going on, wherever you are, wherever you are. Today on the show, my guest is Roberta Hall, but you probably know her as Happy Impulse. She is a very talented illustrator with work specializing in social commentary and a little bit of pop culture, a little bit of nostalgia, all that sort of stuff tied into it. And it's awesome. It's incredible work and it all has meaning behind it. And it's, it's entertaining just to look at. It's so fun. She does incredible work. During this episode, we talk about how her parents still have some high school paintings of hers hanging up on the walls at home and why she's not such a fan of that. We also talk about the Obama Hope poster and why it was so influential to her. We talk a little bit about how her work always has to have a meaning behind it and why she feels that way and also why it's so important to just put it out there, put your work out there. You'll hear her reasons why. She shares with us a story about a large layoff that she was a part of and how it just was dragged out and drawn out forever and the problems that that caused her. We then talk about a eight-month-long website project that was not supposed to be an eight-month-long website project. And right near the end, we talk about why creating that happy impulse alias is just something that she's so proud of and why she did it. There's a whole bunch more in this episode. It's fantastic. It's entertaining. You're going to love it. I know it. So let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Happy Impulse. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Roberto, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Dave? I am doing swell. Thank you for asking. So do you want me to refer to you as Roberta in this interview, or do you want me to call you happy, happy impulse? What, what, do, you, what do you want? You lead this. Go with happy impulse. Why not? All right. All right. Well, happy impulse. Um, I always want to start with a tough question, but first I need to know, are you ready for a quickie? Every single day, Dave. Every single day. Fantastic. I'm sorry this isn't daily anymore, but um, we'll do oh, we'll do my best here. Let's get to the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Well, my name is Roberta, as you've already gathered. I'm the artist behind Happy Impulse. My illustrations are centered around social commentary and mental health issues. My style is colorful and happy with a twist on unexpected messaging at its very core. Sometimes I even have a little bit of nostalgia in there. And the reason why I have this kind of style, it's all about calling society on its bullshit. Hopefully I can <laughs> use <laughs> nice. a little language. Yeah, we dabble in the curse words here on the quickie. And kick up some dirt. As you've already guessed, curse words are included. 
Fantastic. Okay. So how long did it take you to write that? <laughs> longer than I would like to admit. Isn't that the worst when you're trying to like describe yourself and what you do, how long it takes? It's just crazy. I feel like you ask your friends and then they're like, this is what you are. And you're like, ah, are you sure? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Do you, do you really know me? Like how, how good of friends are we? Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to get into a little bit of chat about the social commentary direction and the mental health direction. But before I get there, let's put a little bit of sort of context on this, on this creative trajectory here. Tell me about your childhood, Happy Impulse. What was that like? Do you feel you had a creative childhood that sort of steered you in this creative career path? I definitely had a creative childhood. And even when I go home to visit my mom, she has a lot of my paintings from when I was in high school up on the wall and they're horrific. Like they're (laughs) like the worst thing I've ever seen. And I experience this every time I go home and she's like, look, I even switch them around every now and again. And aren't they so beautiful? And it's, (laughs) it's so (laughs) cringe worthy for me. So you have like the sarcastic, thanks mom. Right. And like, just to toot my own little horn, I was a little bit of a rebel. And even in high school, which my mom really hates me for this, I failed my high school senior art class. <laughs> because I disagreed with the curriculum. I was like, <laughs> I think art is subjective. So my art teacher would say, paint something for Halloween. And I would paint a scene of like two lovers. And I was like, made them vampires and she's like i meant like make a pumpkin like what is what are you doing (laughs) so you painted vampire lovers just to put your own little spin on it right like i was like look this is this is still halloween it fits with the theme and that was that was a rough start (laughs) (laughs) awesome so you had a bit of a rocky entry into the old art world definitely from in my high school experience yes That is funny. Okay, so do you have relatives around you that showed you the sort of the art and creative world? Or is this something that you just started to like by doing it in school and then you did it at home and your mom saw this and and fostered it? How did you really go, that is the direction for me? My parents really wanted to be, like, they wanted me to have that musical ability, Mm -hmm. which is definitely different from art but not as much as we think. So my parents wanted me to take piano. Mm -hmm. So I took three years of piano. I took two years of guitar. I took three years of flute. (laughs) I did tone chimes. And I hated it so much. So it's safe to say you don't play any of those instruments now. It's safe to say, even though... I have those instruments still. I cannot play them worth a lick. (laughs) But what I think kind of bothered my parents is I was like, but I can paint and I can draw. Why don't I do this? And then they're like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) we don't understand what you're making. Exactly. You know, it's so interesting. You know, parents, they, they have your best interest in mind. And But when it comes to something like art or illustration or design or something that can be perceived as subjective, it, it almost is like this brain explosion. Like, how does that equate to stable job? Ah, ah. 
no. Even that kind of got me in trouble because, so I had decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to be an artist. And my parents' rules for when I was going to college was I had to choose something that would make money. So that's how I ended up in design, which I wasn't in love with, but I fell in love with it because I saw the influence design had on the world. Mm, that makes sense. So that was the way that you could twist sort of art illustration creativity into look at this, look at this career design, this career. Right. Because I could point out something and say, hey, look at this logo. Someone got paid to make this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so right now, do you take on branding projects and logo projects or is it art and illustration in your in in your lane for for lack of a better term so how i kind of kept my life a little bit separate on that avenue is professionally i will do branding web development i've worked in advertising i've worked for magazines i've worked with a lot of different people but i haven't illustrated for any of them got it okay so you've got that sort of quote unquote traditional design um, offerings for your your business and for you have customers for that and then the illustration and the art direction is sort of fueled by passion and just pure creativity exactly and it kind of came about where so I was working at an advertising agency well mm -hmm. I think it was actually a marketing agency and I got really burnt out and jaded as young designers happen to deal with because mm -hmm. I was like, I make all of this great stuff and it's not getting out there. And then clients would rip it apart. And it was just, I don't know, it kind of it hurts your soul a little bit, especially when you have this mentality of art is this beautiful thing. Design is problem solving in the form of art in a type of way. And it just kind of crushes you when you're coming out of school and you're putting yourself out there and it's just getting eaten alive. So the way I kind of combated that is that I started to illustrate to kind of give myself an area in design where no one could tell me that my work looked like shit. Even when I first <laughs> yes. started, it really did look like shit. <laughs> um, it gave me a place where I was like, okay, I'm going to put this out into the world because I think it means something to me. Hopefully it means something to other people. Mm -hmm. But even if it doesn't, it's a part of my soul that I've protected from all of the hate and all the anger and all of that bullshit that clients kind of put you through mm -hmm. now i'm not saying that all the designers in the world are so great and lovely and all the clients are the worst i'm not saying that at all i'm saying that sometimes you have really great designers with sucky clients and sometimes you have really great clients with sucky designers and then sometimes you meet in the middle and then sometimes it's all about that miscommunication that happens between designers and clients where you could both create this wonderful idea if y'all just took the time to listen to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that is sort of the the basis of the the creation of that 80-20 rule. Have you heard of the 80-20 rule? Yes. 
Yeah, 20% of your problems is, or 20% of your clients are creating 80% of your problems. <laughs> and 20% of your clients are making 80% of your revenue. Oh, that's definitely true. <laughs> and all that different looking at it. So no, I totally get what you mean there. So during this this growth and, you know, going through the ad agency and that was not a great experience and starting to, you know, do your illustration. Is there something, a design or something that stands out as really influential to you? Something that you saw and has just stuck with you since? I think the Obama hope poster created by Shepard Fari, if I, I probably said his name incorrectly and that's so horrible of me Shepard because I think Fair? it's, Shepard yes. Fair, I think so. Yeah. Shepherd Bear. <laughs> um, but he had he had created this poster right around the time that Obama was running for president in mm-hmm. one, 2008. And this poster was everywhere, and it had that revolution-type feel to it. And it could make anyone who saw it feel that change was coming, that things were, things were going to be different. Mm-hmm. And art kind of had that impact, that wow moment for anyone who could feel everything that Obama was saying through this poster as well. Totally. And as soon as you say the Obama hope poster, like I'm Canadian. So my understanding of American politics and all of that is pretty minimal. However, as soon as you mention Obama, the hope poster, I immediately picture it. I've seen it. I love it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. And it's, and that's, I think, one of the things that's so interesting because everyone around the world had seen that poster when sometimes as artists, we get this thing where we're creating things, we put it out into the ether and nothing comes in, nothing comes from it. It's like we're yelling out into the abyss. (laughs) and we're hoping we're hoping that good comes out of it but it doesn't mean that it will no and we saw something this poster go out into the universe and everyone saw it or most people saw it and they connected with it and it was just this idea that yes art still has that major impact on our lives even though we do see like logos and things like that this was just a piece of art that felt a little bit different Totally. Yeah, it did. It, it it was more than just something that you looked at and went, oh, that looks good. It looks nice. It was something that you looked at and like almost just punched you in the gut with emotion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Happy Impulse, I want to hear about some of the designers and the brands that you currently look up to or closely follow and what about them do you like? So... I do look up to a lot of designers, but I'm not allowed to closely follow them. <laughs> and the reasoning is is because of because of social media, because of things like Instagram and Pinterest. If I follow other illustrators, their work might influence my work. Mm-hmm. And okay, so for example, when I first started illustrating, I created a lot of illustrations about pencils. Like I obsession I even have this tattoo of pencils but anyway um I created things about like pencil sushi and pencil popsicle and pencil lighter and pencil fries and you get the idea Mm -hmm. 
So I created this illustration where it was pencil cigarettes and I had a pencil in an ashtray. And a few weeks later, I started seeing these different interpretations of that same concept. And it bummed me out. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that we really are playing off of each other sometimes. And it's made me more selective about who I do follow. And I try to follow more lettering artists or artists who work in different mediums than I do. Mm -hmm. Because if I follow people who are working kind of in my area of expertise, in my style, in that world, I might pick up something that I shouldn't pick up or it might influence something and I'm trying to protect that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's sort of a, especially in the world of Instagram where, you know, scrolling through your feed for five minutes, you could see a few hundred different, um, you know, illustrators work or graphic designers work and the things that they're sharing. And for that to not impact you and your thought process and your style, like how do you completely just forget what you just looked at. It's almost impossible. So there's a very fine line between inspiration and, and, and copying something. Right. And it's so, it's so hard when all of you are playing in the same sandbox. Mm-hmm. So the way that I've done it is I can't follow the people I love closely. I can't look at their stuff. I can't see it mm-hmm. in case I am impacted by that. Yep. No, I hear you there. I know what you're talking about there. Um, so before I get into some of the tough questions here, I want to just ask about your style and where that came from. Um, you know, when you're talking about social commentary and, and seeing these things and t- touches of nostalgia and, you know, things that are related to mental health, like where, how did you get into that sort of specific category? How did you niche into that area? Well, I think, at least for me, I think when you're creating something and you don't have a reason behind it, you've lost an opportunity to have a message seen by a wider audience Mm -hmm. through art. And the same way that we connect with the Obama Hope poster, if we don't put our feelings out there and our thoughts about some of the things that are bothering us in the world, it's going to get missed. And if the more we talk about these things, the more we talk about these issues, the more people are going to see that we're making noise. And the more noise we make, the people who've been trying to ignore these things, ignore global warming, ignore um, all of these things that are happening with the police, and then all of these things with Black Lives Matter might have to just look at it. all of these people saying, you have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. So when you're creating work, you're not just drawing something because you think it's fun. You, well, I mean, that's part of it. You do think it's fun <laughs> and you enjoy it, but that's not the only reason. You, you think of what is the deeper meaning behind this and how do I portray this in my style? Exactly. Hmm. I like it. Okay, so when's your COVID piece coming out? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like what's kind of weird is everything with COVID right now, I'm kind of trying to stay away from illustrating too much into it because we've seen so many things associated with it mm-hmm. that it's distracting us from other issues that are still going on. Mm-hmm. Like some of the things that were impacted by COVID are 
So young children who only would be able to eat at school when schools were open, they lost that when they had to just stay at home and hopefully be on their computers. And it's kind of destroyed a lot of our learning environments. Mm -hmm. And those are things that we haven't been talking about as much and how this has impacted the way that we even treat other people, because now it seems like everyone has leprosy. Yep. There's, there's two sides. I tell you, walking through the grocery store, you know, it feels really weird when people are purposely sort of steering away from you. It adds that layer of isolation that honestly we already were dealing with, especially with the way we view social media. Um, Social media is a wonderful tool and I absolutely love it. But at the same time, you get this feeling that everyone is on vacation. Everyone's having the time of their lives and it's, it's isolating. And now that we're feeling that in public as well, and we're told we shouldn't be going outside, we're getting that twofold. We're getting that not only with our social media, but we're also getting it in reality too. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. It's, you're taking the, and it's sort of starting to be talked about, but the, the mental health impact um, of not seeing your friends, your little community, um, you know, if you are really locked down inside your house and you're not going outside at all, like that's damaging. Well, it's damaging because sometimes the people who are the most vulnerable are the ones who are being isolated more. The people who are dealing with mental health issues who normally do go to therapy or normally do have that moment where they go to the grocery store and they can say hi to people, which Mm -hmm. might not be in their normal daily lives because they might work from home or do other things. They've now been cut off to this moment where they're now time seems like it's passing very quickly and then slowly, um, they're in their heads a lot. It's causing a lot of problems. And at this point in time, sometimes we don't know how to fix it. Uh-huh. And we're trying to treat some of the, the symptoms, but we're not trying to get to the core issues that are happening. Yep. Yep. So true. So you want your work to creatively and visually portray and and bring more thought to these things that are going on of course and I think I'm privileged and I admit that fully I got lucky hands up Um, over here too (laughs) and but a lot of people aren't and so if my art in a way can help give power to those who don't have a platform who don't speak up who don't know that other people will fight for them, will say, hey, please talk to me. Let's not have a world of isolation. Um, Why don't we have more, instead of social media, why don't we have more of a community? Mm -hmm. And if art can do that, if people can connect through music, then the world is a much more beautiful place. I mumbled there. I apologize. No, no, that's all right. It came off as like a, um, like a thought pause. Like you, <laughs> like it really built up like, Oh my gosh, she's got something juicy. She's sharing. <laughs> I mean, okay. He- hear me out. Um, which I guess you're doing on this whole podcast. It's just me on my soapbox, but 
we don't know the impact of what our work is doing. We don't know that if you go outside and if you smile at a stranger, even though right now with COVID, we can't really see other people smiling. Unless you have one of those really clever masks with like the window in front. Exactly. (laughs) But we don't know the impact of what we're doing. And if we've stopped doing it, if we've gotten disheartened with the terror of the world going on around us, then people who need to hear that message need to hear that hope that sure things suck right now, but maybe if we talk about it more, maybe you'll find your people. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do these things, it's going to not only hurt ourselves as creatives for not releasing this art into the world, it's going to hurt those people who could be positively impacted by that. Great point. Absolutely great point. You know, just because you're not receiving this, you know, overwhelmingly positive feedback on your work and it's, you know, even if it's radio silence, you don't know how many people are benefiting that. Even if it's just a smile or something that pulls them out of the chaos that they're living in right now for even for just a moment, you don't know that that's not happening. Absolutely. And you don't know that unless you put it out there, no one is going to hear it. Mm -hmm. 100%. So you have to give people the chance to hear it, even if you're not the most elegant speaker, Mm -hmm. even if you have spelling mistakes, grammar issues, it's even in a different language. (laughs) If you don't put yourself out there, you're not, you're hurting yourself in the end and the possible joy that others could have from you putting yourself out there. Yep. Yep. That's, that's completely right. There's twofold, you know, not only the benefits that I could bring to you, but the benefits that it's providing others that you're unaware of. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Happy impulse. I have a couple of questions here that take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, likely learned some (laughs) lessons. And I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. But I promise after that, we'll turn it around and we'll finish up in a happy place. All right, let's go for it. So what has been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? So when I was working in the last agency that I did work for, mm-hmm. um, my whole division got laid off Oof. and it was a very drawn out process and it was no fault of the creative directors or the people I was working with. It was, we were a division of a division of a division of a division. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and So the way that they had gone about this for legal reasons, honestly, it was they couldn't tell us we were going to be laid off, but they laid off um, one of the offices that I was previously working at Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, and it was before I moved to Atlanta. And so I had moved, and then about a month after, my whole team that I spent several years working with was laid off. And then the whole environment, it was, it was pretty toxic. It was, it felt like we were all being 
gaslit because they were like, oh no, everything is okay. And then you hear whispers. <laughs> yeah. It was so hard. And it felt about, it was about like a five months of just this feeling of dread. Am I going to have a job tomorrow? Will I be able to make rent? Ooh. And we, I have to give credit to a lot of the team. They handled it really well, but it still was this agonizing process. And it was complete determination and the understanding that we stayed on for the people who were going to be left behind. Mm -hmm. So some people, of course, were searching for jobs at the time. And some of us decided, well, we're going to stay on to the end because we don't want to let the team and the clients that we created these friendships with mm -hmm. down. Like we still had that loyal mentality, even though we were being hurt and destroyed behind the scenes. Jeez. Mm -hmm. So that took you said about five <laughs> months. Yes. Ugh, gross. So then I guess your turn came up and you were, were then laid off. Oh yes. Okay. So, so what do you do to bounce back from that? Were you looking for work during that time or did you hold off on that until you were officially laid off? So the interesting thing is that I just, so this is the kicker right after we got laid off, then COVID hit about a month and a half later. Oh, so this is fairly recent. Oh yeah. But, um, I kind of got, I got lucky in a way. Mm-hmm. So because we were all laid off, I had just moved from California to Georgia mm -hmm. and my family, my mom is from North Carolina. So when COVID hit, I was allowed, and since I didn't have a job at the time and my partner was allowed to not be working during that time either, we went to go visit my mom for about three months. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it was more than three months. I think it was 111 days. <laughs> <laughs> After living with mom, you know that specifically. It was 111 days. It was, yes. And she's a little bit older because she's in her 70s. And I had to look at it like this. If I never got laid off, if COVID didn't happen, even though all of these things are very horrible, I have to look at it with this, this positive light. Yes that I got three months with my mom, even though she annoyed the hell out of me, <laughs> where I normally wouldn't have gotten those three months. Like yep. there's no universe in the world where I'd have off for just three months to mm -hmm. just hang out totally. and run errands. And gosh, she got me to get on a roof to, <laughs> to clean windows. <laughs> That's awesome. The things you do for mom. You have to. She can guilt trip you and she she feels nothing for you. She's like, you're living here for a little bit. I got to put you to work. All she has to do is just be like, well, I guess I'll go do it. And then you go, oh, damn it, mom. Okay, fine. Right, because <laughs> she plays the, you know, I heard every day. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like. Yeah, exactly. Every day when I wake up, everything hurts. Right. And then she's like, I don't sleep a lot and. And you're like, Ugh. oh, fine, mom. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I want to get a little bit more specific now. Um, 
Can you take us to a specific design or a specific project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? So I spent eight months working on a website with my agency that I was at. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a beautiful website. It won a lot of awards, but because of how much time we spent on it, it went way over budget Mm -hmm. and way out of project scoped. And I think it, (laughs) I want to tell you the number, but I, it's, I feel like it's like half a million. (laughs) Uh, Which it, uh. (laughs) so $500,000 over budget or $500,000. Like that was the, the cost. That was like the total cost. And I think the project was supposed to only be half of that. Wow. Even that. And because what had happened is it snowballed. Mm -hmm. And the client brought in a new, at the time the client brought in someone new to work on the project with us Mm -hmm. and they had a completely different set of project ideas from when we first started the scope and we didn't rescope the project. Mm -hmm. I think we had 19 versions of a website at one point. Oh my gosh. 19 versions. Oh yes. And it, and we added like ADA compliancy as best as we could on top of all of that. And mm-hmm. then that wasn't even in the scope and it was just crazy. It was complete madness. Goodness gracious. That sounds good. So at the end of the day, the client was very happy because they got a great website and it was awards and all that kind of stuff. But the agency, you know, the, the, the controller or the, uh, oh, what's the term I'm looking for? You know, the chief chief bill payer what's the (laughs) chief finance cfo chief financial officer of the design firm is more like oh guys this one went off the rails it was and they knew they knew it was going off the rails and it was going off the rails (laughs) (laughs) but i think at the end of the end of the day yeah they decided we just need to finish it we have to just push through yeah and it was it turned out really well but I kind of cringed and I look at that time because I I saw the boulder going down the hill. Yeah. And I was like, well, there's nothing I can do. I just have to keep going, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, I'm glad it turned out in the end. It worked out all right. It did. Good. But this is this is probably one of the reasons why we all got laid off. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, Happy Impulse. What is something you are struggling with in your design career right now? I think I'm struggling with the same thing that most people are struggling with, and that's fighting off perpetual burnout. Mm-hmm. And I've been told recently that I that if I'm creating work all the time, if I'm working on art all the time, that apparently I've never taken a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that tough when somebody points that out to you? You're like, you have never taken time off. Right. Like they said, well, what do you do in your spare time? And I was like, oh, well, I read. And then when I'm reading, sometimes I find inspiration about how I would do an illustration. And then they're like, no, 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 you're, you're not doing it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
they're like, okay, well, what do you do when you're like relaxing? I was like, oh, well, sometimes when I'm watching something, I'll take down notes about what could, could be a good illustration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, feeling like a notebook with work you're sketching. You're just like, yeah, this is what I do in my, this is relaxing. Right. And so I get this feeling where every like month I'm always like, oh, I want to quit. And I realize I'm always like, I want to just quit. But even if I quit, I would still be doing the exact same thing. So it's just my mind saying, I need a break. I don't know how to take a break, but let's keep going anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, I encourage you to, to take some time off and find something that gets you away from notebooks and, and screens and things that, uh, you know, are constantly occupying our work brains. I hope that will happen, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. <laughs> Okay, well, let's turn this bus around right now then. And I want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing. See, you already know the answer to this. And that was because I'm going to say creating my happy impulse alias. Mm -hmm. And it is my heart singing passion. It is one of the loves of my life. Mm -hmm. Don't let my partner hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let my dog hear you either. Um, so as I had mentioned earlier, years ago when I was torn apart by clients, mm -hmm. when I was a young, a young gun, I was consuming an unhealthy amount of junk food. I had a lot of anxiety. I, my clients were sometimes homophobic. They were sexist. Mm. So tough. Yep. I started to illustrate because I did need something for myself. Yep. And if I was spending all of my time helping other people achieve their dreams, why couldn't I spend some of my time achieving my own? And so I use illustration as my form of therapy. Mm, I like that. Yeah, that pain of, you know, when you're in that stage. And this happens a lot with designers who are either just trying to start their freelance career or build a portfolio. You know, they take on work for either customers or businesses that don't align with their values. And they, they're they sort of faced with this, like, do I want to pay rent this month or do I want to, you know, feel good about the work? And it's almost that that fear of not paying rent. Um, it, you know, leads you down that path of taking on work that, you know, you otherwise might not have. Right. And at the end of the day, you have to do work that pays the bills. Like you mm -hmm. need to pay your bills, but you can also create things for yourself. You can come up with a passion project that's just for you. And you don't have to do it 100% of the time. You mm -hmm. can do it in your spare time when you need that creative spark so that you can survive sometimes the bills that just pay your rent or the, the projects that pay your rent. Yeah, <laughs> right? no, 100% because that gives you, it's, it's that outlet of yours, right? Where you can just sort of put aside the stuff that you had to do and really have that creative outlet that is fulfilling. Right. And what happens with anything when you start a passion project or you start a project and you make it long term, 
when you put in four years or five years or six years, you get the chance to look back and see how much you've grown and how much you've evolved. And you say, wow, I have this thing. I've created it for me and no one can touch it. Mm -hmm. No one can say that I did not do this. No one can say that I got paid to do this or tear it down for any reason. You, you just have this thing and you're like, I made this, I put this into the world. And even if some of it sucks, I'm still proud of it. hundred percent. Yep. That's good. And, and I like what you, how you said you get to see your, your sort of evolution of, of your skills, of your, of your, your style for lack of a better term as well. If you, if you forget to look back, you don't congratulate yourself. You get stuck in this mentality that you're not getting better, even though you are. Mm-hmm. Totally. One of my um, recent guests actually said a line that has that when she first said it, it really it, it was just like almost a, a a kick in the face. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of something that way. And it is similar to what you mentioned. And I believe it was Brittany Knight um, from episode 221. She said, you know, she asks herself when she, when you run into doubt or, or, you know, questioning, are you doing better? Are you, are you successful? Like, are you on the right path here? Asking yourself, you know, would my 18 year old self be proud of where I am? I definitely ask my younger self, would they like what I'm creating? Yeah. Oh, no, because my younger self was definitely that rebel where they I wasn't afraid to get in fights. I wasn't afraid to get in trouble. Yeah, girl. But then when you get older, you do have that mentality of, oh, no, if I go to jail, this is it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have that same mentality when you're 14. You're like, you know, I can yeah. just push this kid on the ground because they said this horrible, horrible thing to my friend. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm going to feel bad about it later, I'm not going to feel bad about having <laughs> this moment of justice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shove them down. Justice. awesome um happy impulse you have reached the ask it forward question so this is a question where i give the guest an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest and i have a question for you from my previous guest so my last guest was nick mcgraw and he wanted to ask you if the internet turns off tomorrow what do you do? What would you do? What would you do for work? What would you do to fill some time? So Nick is a buddy of mine. Nice. I didn't know that. So that's going to be, he's going to hopefully, if he hears this, he's going to laugh. So if the internet was cut off, my question, I have a few questions. Would I still be able to have creative cloud? <laughs> uh, let's say no, nothing in the cloud. Ah, but I could still have my computer. I suppose you could have your computer and I suppose you could insert a floppy disk and perhaps install (laughs) some software of some kind. So if I could still have Illustrator, I'd probably be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would give me a chance 
to probably put my art in the real world more than just on social media, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That means I'd probably go all Banksy style and have to spray paint stuff. Nice. Out there. Nice. There's that 14 year old rebel again. Exactly. <laughs> I think at that point I'd be like, well, if there's no internet. That means I'm not being tracked the same way I was. Yeah. Good which point. Which means spray Alexa, paint this shit everywhere. Exactly. That means Alexa's not on to me, which, oh, she's probably recording me right now because yeah, I she's have listening. a trigger word. Yeah. You said a trigger word. And that the FBI isn't watching me from their computer screen, watching me through my little webcam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then maybe I'll I'll be more of a rebel with my spray paint. I'll be spray painting out there. I'll make some some stencils. I'll get into some trouble. I'll probably end up in jail. If there was no internet, I'd probably end up in jail for me. <laughs> <laughs> I would be caught. I, love I would it. be caught because. I would still have the perfectionist mentality. So I'd be like a cop's behind me. I'm like, could I just get this one little thing? Just please let me touch this up. I just found this problem. I just got to touch this up. Just This line isn't straight enough. Could you just give me a few more minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, so happy impulse. What is the question you would like me to ask the next guest? So my question's actually ironic based off what we had just talked about. And it's, what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? I like it. That's a classic question, and I always am entertained by the answer. Happy Impulse, you have reached the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me, and hopefully you can edit out all of my mistakes. Oh, no, I leave them in. I leave them in for everybody to <laughs> hear. <laughs> what mistakes? I don't know what she was talking about. There's no mistakes here. There's no mistakes on the Quickie Podcast. Well, I make I make mistakes, but I can I can edit my mistakes. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. If you are digging what you're hearing here on the Quickie Podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this, and leave a rating and a review. I really appreciate it. And for heaven's sakes, go to Instagram, the old IG and check out Happy Impulse. Seriously, do it right now. The work is ridiculous. It's so good and highly entertaining, thought-provoking. Gosh, it's wonderful. It's at Happy Impulse. Go get it. Go check it out. Thanks again, and we'll see you later.